Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Hello, this is Adam Carswell, the host of Dream Chasers, and you're tuned in to the How Do They Do It Real Estate Podcast. If you like this show, first of all, you have phenomenal taste. Second of all, if you want to listen to another next level show like this, just click our link in the description and smash that subscribe button. It would be an honor for us to enrich your mind, body, and soul as well. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today, our guest is Guido Nunez. And Guido is the founder of Crystalina Wealth Partners, a real estate multifamily investment venture. And it's focused on acquiring value add multifamily properties in fast appreciating markets. And currently, their portfolio spans across Tennessee, South Carolina, and California. And Guido also has experience not only with multifamily, but single families as well, and solo active investing and joint ventures, both as a general partner and as well as limited partner. So Guido, thank you so much for being on the show today. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Aline. So can you share and give us a little bit more of an insight into your background and how you got started with real estate? Yeah. So I'll start by just saying that I'm happy to announce, I know we talked about some of the states that we've expanded to, but we just acquired and we're under contract in Arizona. And it is something we've been trying to do for a while. We finally, you know, got into the market and from there we'll continue to expand. So it's all about fast appreciating markets and, and we're excited to be part of that as well in that state. So yeah, a little bit about me. I started, I almost feel like it's how most investors in multifamily start in a single family homes. So I started in that space and uh, just really, it was just more about dabbling in that I wasn't really doing a ton flips just a few here and there but it was kind of in 2011 or so when when I was got, I got laid off and I started trying to figure out like how can I create new revenue streams and how could I be more independent of somebody else's decisions in my life so I decided to go back into investing but this time I said hey I'm just going to try something uh bigger and and I I kind of saw multifamily as higher barriers to entry, you know, not everybody was getting in it, uh, at least not in 2011 and 12, but it's been quite the journey and it's a really a different space from single family homes. And I've just enjoyed it a whole lot more than, than that uh, time. Because you're also still an active W2 employee as well, right? You're still working your full-time job while doing real estate. Yeah. Yeah. I still have 40 plus hour weeks. I have a boss. I have a job, the whole thing. So uh, doing this on the side is is something that I got to figure out and juggle like every day. And children as well. <laughs> yeah, I have family, kids, the whole thing, which always, I always think about when people say, I don't have time, you know, that's one of the challenges some people have. And, you know, I always kind of lean back as to how I was able to find time and you know, it's never easy, but it's possible, right? And I'm the only one that does it. There's a lot of investors that, that do it. Yeah. So why multifamily for you? Yeah, it's a funny question. So <laughs> when I was getting back into investing after being laid off, I got a job, a W-2 job back in my background in consumer goods. I tried getting back 
into flipping, but I realized that the market was so saturated. Everybody was a flipper at that time. And I just wasn't getting kind of the flow that I was looking for. I was trying to do the whole kind of networking, but you know, if, if you weren't a, an agent or somebody who was in the inner circle, you just weren't going to get those flips. So I just had a thought one day that multifamily was, was the way to go, not for any analytical or data or anything like that. I just figured that probably the competition was less in there because the barriers or entries were bigger and I'd go that way because it would be easier to find deals. And it was somewhat that way. It's probably, it feels like it's gotten more competitive since, but that's the reason why I got into multifamily. It was just seemed like the way to go to find something. So how did you bring down that barrier of entry for you as you were looking to get into multifamily? Yeah, it's all about the capital stack and the way you kind of think about it. You know, the the first deal can seem kind of monumentous, but when you start thinking about how you can leverage certain deals and start breaking down the capital stack, like you're going to put some of it, maybe your 401k can borrow some of it. Maybe you have family members that want to put some in some money into the deal as well. And you start just breaking down that down payment. It's more achievable than I think what most people think. And it's not like we're on our first deal trying to tackle hundred plus unit deals. You know, they're smaller and they're more achievable. And sometimes it's all about just making the first one in order to figure it out. And, and for me, that's kind of what it, what it was about. So um, as a, as you were starting out, what were some of the first steps that you did as a new investor getting into the space? Like, what were you doing in terms of networking, looking for deals, making sure that, you know, you talked about the capital stack, make sure that all that aligns. So when something does come up, you're ready and ready to go. I was reading a lot. Honestly, I didn't know much of the syndication world and it's almost embarrassing. I started to read. That was kind of the first step when I said, Hey, I'm going to try this. And I wasn't even networking very much. I I started buying a bunch of books and I started reading, I think the first book that I read, and it's just, it's even embarrassing to say <laughs> on recording, but it was investing for dummies and read that thing. And I was just like, all right, well, this is kind of how it goes. And I picked up a lot of verbiage from there. And then I said, okay, I'm going to buy another book and another book. And then I started teaching myself how to underwrite and I started looking at operating memorandums from brokers and I started like looking at how they underwrote it. And then I started going into YouTube and trying to figure out how you make sense of underwriting. And then after that, I realized that I had like going to the next step, which was network. And so meetups became a thing. And there I sat in my first meetup and the guy right in front of me had a book that said, I think it was called The Best Syndication book ever. Joe Fairless's best Fairless. ever. Yeah. Yeah. Joe Fairless. And I sat there as they were talking, I was just looking at that book and I'm like, what is this syndication? It has to be like important. And so I talked to the guy after the meeting and I said, Hey, how's that book? And he was just like, it's really good. And I said, well, what it's about. So he kind of talked about it. And then I just kind of stood there and I was just like, this is like several years ago now, but I kind of stood there and I was just like, I thought these hundred unit buildings is is only bought by like moguls and like companies and institutions. And now I'm kind of understanding that it's not, doesn't have to be that way. Right. 
So I went and bought the book and I started reading about syndications and it opened up this whole new world before I was just like, it's only me. It's only an active solo venture. And I could only do so much to whatever it is that capital that I had. And I'm going to max out. I already capped out. So reading this syndication book, it opened me up to the world of partnerships and joint ventures and syndications and everything else that goes in there. And, and suddenly the world just became 10 times of what it was. It was just, it wasn't just me. It was like so much bigger. And, you know, and now I, here I am, I'm in podcast and, and I'm sitting here in your podcast, which is, it's been fun. We don't, I don't think when we talk about this journey is we don't, we talk about taking down deals and, and all that, but, you know, I don't know. If we talk enough about how fun it is. Like I'm, in, I'm having a great time. Yeah. I would totally agree with that. And you talked about the education piece of it. You started off with a book and the thing is, you don't know what you don't know. So you have to kind of start somewhere, no matter where you get the resource. It's like just cracking open that first, taking that first step on reading whatever you can get your hands on first. And then from there, really expanding on that. And you had that hungry mindset that inquisitive mindset. And you saw this red book by Joe Fairless and you're like, well, what is that? And so it's just really curious about what other people are doing in this space and opening up your minds to like, what are other people doing out there? Like, what are some of the ways that they are creating wealth for themselves, building it out for their families? Because we might not be, we might not be exposed to it. And so the only way that we can get exposed to it is by reading, reaching out, networking, talking to people. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's so true. I mean, sometimes it, I don't, the saying says the first step of a thousand miles starts with, with the first step. I don't know how if I said it correctly, but sometimes that's just how it starts, right? Just you do something as simple as pick up a book and you just run with it. Yeah. And like you said, also getting in this space, it's it's a lot of work. There's so many things going on. There's so many moving pieces. You're networking with a lot of people. There's a lot of documents that you're reading. There's yeah. so many things that you're juggling in the air. You're a full-time W-2 worker, kids also, wife, family. There's a lot in the air, but at the same time, it's because we're enjoying this journey so far and we're meeting such great people yeah. that it's been so fun. Like I'm so grateful to have met you recently <laughs> as well. I mean, who yeah. would have known that we would have yeah. been so very close to each other? Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so like, we wouldn't have thought about this. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought about this a couple of years yeah. ago, yeah. right? Yep, same here. Yeah. yeah, it's quite the journey. I don't think we talk about the piece that, you know, as, as we do this, we're just happier. Like before in corporate America, which I'm still, I still am, you know, it's just like you work, work, work. And now I feel like, I work, but I work because I want to. It's not because I have to go there and the check has to be there and I got to pay the mortgage. I work because just because I want to. My passive income has now rivaled my W2 income. And it's fun to say that. And now I kind of joke around a lot more at work. I laugh a lot more at work. And when there's like stuff that's happening, like in corporate America, the world's falling apart. Yeah, yeah, it's not the best of times. But before it would be like, a total stressor. And now it's just like, it's more of a different mindset. It's just like, it's work, work is work and we'll get through it. And it's a different mindset. And a lot of it has to do with the financial freedom that comes with passive investing and 
just a different mindset of just being a happier person. And that's kind of where I'm at. I don't think we talk about that a lot as investors getting to that part. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. Yeah, I think what adds to it, adds to the happiness or the the excitement of being in this area is because we're investing and we're doing this for, we're doing it with a purpose. There's a reason why we're doing this. And I think also what has helped in this space also is the growth that we have seen just by surrounding yourself with people who are doing these big and great things and you wanting to push yourself as well to a higher level and challenging yourself and like really just being inspired by what other people are, have been able to build. It's hard not to get excited when we're talking about these things or like get excited to be part of this type of community because I mean, people are doing such great things here. Yeah, it's so true. You know, I've met, you know, investors who have $200 million under assets under management, investors that are taking down deals that are 300, 400 unit, you know, properties. And it just motivates you. And, and it's not even a rivalry thing or nothing. I think the market's so much bigger than just one or two or three people, but it makes you want to be better. And I love, I want to be better. And I want, everyone that I know that is in the industry to succeed. And that's the other piece that I like of what we do. You know, I don't feel like a rivalry. It's Mm -hmm. fine. Everybody kind of like just supports each other. And I think that's a great thing. So after you discovered syndication and you've been involved in this space, what changed for you that allowed you to move so much more quicker? Because you've learned and you research and everything like that. But then what, what was the point that drove you to action? So it's tough to say to say this because I think some people may take it as fluff, but it really was the mindset. Before, the mindset was, I can't afford that. I can't buy that. There's no way. I wouldn't even look at it. Now, it's a different mindset. Instead of saying, I can't, I say, well, how can I buy that? And it's always thinking about like, if you're trying to accomplish something, then it's, finding the who to the how. And if you're able to do that, you're really able to accomplish, you know, whatever it is you want. I know a lot of like investors now on the higher end that if I brought them like deals that there's no way that I can take down, it doesn't mean I don't, I can't find it. I can still find it. I just have to bring it to them and then we can both take it down. So there's possibilities. And I think that has been the game changer for me is that there is possibilities. I just got to figure out like the who to the how, and then I got to figure out the efficiency of time. And that's one of the things that I've been able to do, you know, value it differently. So what or who was the biggest resource that has helped you to 
shift your mindset to get to the point where you're looking at things and taking off those limiting beliefs for yourself? That's a great question. I don't know if I could say like it's like one thing. I think it's just been uh, just little bits of everything. There's been books that have changed my mindset. People that really know me know me. I'm a know that I'm a big David Goggins fan, and he wrote the book "Can't Hurt Me," which I really recommend to everybody. Uh, it's a great book. I don't know if you read it, Eileen. I have not, but I will pick it up now because you recommended Uh, it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's a game changer. So there has been moments and times as I continue now, years and years of doing this that have really shifted the way of thought. So I would say books like Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins, meeting different people that have taken down like deals that I've never even dreamed of, like a syndicator friend that I call him a friend before he was a person I met. And now I call him a friend. That I could just call and he'll take my calls. And as a GP co-sponsor, they took down a 350-unit building in Austin, Texas. And it's just the things that you think were impossible, you know, really possible. And so those are the things that also shifted my mind. It's like, it is possible. So as I continue it, I'm always having that thought, like, instead of saying no, it's it's, just, it's really how. Yeah. So Guido, once you made that shift and you know now you've gotten to a point in time where you're, in a sense, you have the choice now, you have the right. option of doing what you want to do, which most of us strive to get to and achieve it to that point in time. Yeah. How has that affected your life now? And how has that been an impact to you? I think we all talk about financial freedom and it's impacted my life because 10 years ago when I got laid off, it was like a different state of mind, right? Like the world's an end or something like that. Cause you got to pay the bills and, and everything else that comes with it. You have the responsibility of the family, but now it's so much different because it's changed my life because I feel freer. I feel like I'm doing stuff that I want to do, or I'm doing stuff. Cause it's just, it's a choice. It's not cause I have to, the quality of life that I have now is just, you know, I smile more, I laugh more, I joke more. And so it's impacted me from that perspective, you know, because I wear my emotions on my shoulders, as you know, they say. And so I kind of have to see my expressions. And that is what, it, what it's given me, is that choice. So have you been also able to share what you've learned with your children as well? Yeah, it's a great question. So I have two. My littlest one is probably too small, but my boy, he's 16. I try to, and sometimes I wonder if he's even listening, but I take him sometimes to our deals. I sometimes take him to, uh, we're remodeling some units. I've taken him to a couple like broker calls and I know he's bored as heck, but <laughs> but even if he just listens to half the stuff we say, He's so much farther along than, I guess, somebody else in his age, but I try to. Yeah. I think it's just all about exposure, whether or not they take it and use it, but at least they know something like this is out there. They're able to, because we don't, especially in the normal schools that we get, we don't get to see the financial side of things or certain things that we're going visiting properties and stuff like that. You know, you're not really going to get that in school, but at the same time, just being exposed to it, seeing that there's 
other things out there as well. I think it's just, at least they know what's out there. (laughs) Yeah, it's so true. One of the biggest quotes that that I always tell my son is like, if you don't learn how to make money while you sleep, you'll work forever. And I always remind him of that, you know, on purpose, our laundry machines and our properties have quarters. We could have managers pick them up, but I'm, by design, I'll have him empty machines out, count the quarters, roll them, that kind of thing. And that's just part of trying to expose them, you know, more into what we're trying to do. It's a great path to build wealth. And I think that, you know, a lot more of us should kind of explore it and understand how it works a lot more. And, and that's part of what syndications do too, right? You don't want to be active with toilets, toilets and termites and tenants. Syndications also kind of give the, the investor that doesn't want to deal with that, that window into that investment world. So. so what is one thing that you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started? I would say the ability to, the importance of networking. I was a one-man show at the beginning. And to the point that I was painting my building with my workers and because I thought I was a good manager and, you know, I sure, sure that it was, but I realized now that the more I, I kind of stuck into that micro piece of it, the more it took me away to of the bigger picture. Right. And, you know, I got asked this question and cause I run a meetup in Orange County and one of the attendants asked me that question about like, is it necessary property management in order to go into this business? Or can you, as a beginner, just outsource it to property managers? Like what are the pros and cons of all this stuff? And it was a great question. I struggled with it because when I did it as an active investor and property managed it, it made me smarter, but I wish I didn't do it so long where it took me away from what I should have been doing is bigger picture. And knowing that piece of it, because that's really what I'm happy. I wasn't happy kind of painting the wall, you know? (laughs) So that's what I wish I would have known better or back then. And what is the one thing that sets the successful people apart in real estate investing? I kind of go back to a mindset, like knowing if you want to try to accomplish something, understanding the, the who to the how. I think too many times we're defeated as to how to accomplish, you know, something. And if we start taking a different perspective on certain issues, we can certainly accomplish it. When I have issues or problems or whatever, even on the real estate side, running toward the problem instead of away from it or procrastinating it is a big deal and one way to accomplish things. Well, Guido, thank you so much for coming on the show today. And so if our listeners wanted to find out more about you, reach out, where's the best place that they can go? Yeah, you could just follow me on Instagram at the W2Investor. I'm on Facebook as well under Guido Nunez. Or if you want to just chat, email me at Guido at the W2Investor. We can chat about, I always say, anything you want, real estate, things that I like to do. I run full marathons. I'm a, a black belt. So we can chat about that. I just like to meet new people. So if anyone's interested, just send me an email and we'll connect. I'll send you McCandley. Thank you so much, Guido. Thank you so much. Thanks, I appreciate it. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. 
Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Zayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonavestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.